You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode, we're going to be discussing Phil Spector's A Christmas Gift for You. In the room, I have John. Hey! Charles. Hey! And Ben. Hello. A Christmas Gift for You from Phil Spector is an album of Christmas songs produced by Phil Spector, released on Philly's Records in 1963, produced by none other than, guess it, Phil Spector. The genre was Christmas and R&B. And I got a little blurb from All Music. Uh, Dennis McDonald, featuring Phil Spector's Wall of Sound in its prime and his early stable of artists, the Ronettes, Christelle's Darlene Love, and Bobby B. Socks and the Blue Jeans, A Christmas Gift for You from Phil Spector stands as inarguably the greatest Christmas record of all time. Spector believed he could produce a record for the holidays that would capture not only the essence of the Christmas spirit, but also a pop masterpiece that would stand against any work these artists had already done. He succeeded on every level, with all four groups singers uh, recording some of the most memorable performances. This is the Christmas album by which all later holiday releases had to be judged, and it has inspired a host of imitators. What did we think of A Christmas Gift for You? Dude, seriously, man. <laughs> this, this, is, this is one of my favorite records of all time. Seriously, like uh, across genres. Yeah. I love Phil Spector's Christmas Gift for You. I'm going to let someone else say something before I just talk for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the exact same way. Every every one of these songs, you're, it's like you've heard these songs a million times in a different version, and then you hear Phil Spe- Spector, and it's got such an amazing, you know, everybody has great voices, the reco- the way it's recorded, just makes you want to dance and puts a smile on your face. At the same time, it also feels like very cheery and a holiday. Yeah. You know, it's got bells and uh, that sort of rhythm that, you know, there's one dance. The Wrecking Crew's there just kicking the shit out of every song. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. I mean, and the awesome. vocalists are, are killer. Yeah. I mean, Darlene Love is amazing. <laughs> Darlene Love. To this day, Darlene Love. To this, well, she may have passed. I don't, Did, I don't think so. Did she? She's 76 years old. Had she died, you would have known because I would have been crying for a year. <laughs> she plays Danny Glover, Roger Murtaugh's wife, in Lethal Weapon. That is her. That is Darlene Love. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. I don't know. Anyway, you slice it. She's amazing. She sang Christmas Time for the Jews, an all-time banger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so That she, she did. She got her start here. You know, this is where it begins. It's it's really great because uh, I feel like this album encapsulates Christmas. You have joy that comes out of your speakers every time you listen to this. And it's so great because it's after Christmas, so I started to listen to this song to prepare for it. And it just made me smile driving on the road blasting this 
as loud as I can with my windows down. I mean, I don't know if Phil Spector pioneered this kind of sound. I mean, he pioneered the wall of sound, obviously, but the the horns, the high female vocalists, the driving drums that you'll hear as the backing sound for almost any, you know, 80s movie. <laughs> you know, you've got to have this sort of this drive, this 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 thumping rhythm that makes you get up and feel good. Yeah. And I, I don't think I've heard th- this sort of set of musical sounds and, and, and vocal composition prior to this. I mean, I think that was his thing. Mm-hmm. He, he, was, he was very much about putting tonalities together in such a way that it would maximize your sort of listening experience. Um, I don't know if you want to, to talk about... To extrapolate on that, Phil Spector knew that his music was for teenagers... And most teenagers were listening to music in their cars. And at the time, cars had a single, like, two or three inch speaker. So that was, that's what he was, he was aiming for. He's like, we've got this little three inch speaker. Let's see how big we can make something sound coming through a speaker like that. So that's why, like, that's, that was the origins of, like, the wall of sound. That's why he'd have, like, three people playing the same thing on guitar. He'd have, like two drummers play the same thing like three guys on piano just so like everything even if they were all playing unisons but everything just sounded like so thick so even coming through like a little tinny factory installed car speaker it sounds bigger than anything else that's going to come on the radio it like it made it made kids just like take notice like what the shit is going on in my car right now so almost like an like an orchestra yeah Yeah. instead of having one violin have 10 instead of one guitar have four right yeah and and you know it was all recorded live and his whole thing it was like mic placement you know so there was there was some bleeding in between the mics and some of it was intentional some of it was unintentional but he would spend most of his time just like setting setting up the room putting the people where he wanted putting the mics where he wanted and then these these session players, Wrecking Crew, they're such pros, just stone cold killers. They they'd just nail it to the floor, and he would capture that, mix it down to mono, play it through a tiny little car speaker, and it sounds like a, a fucking symphony. You better watch out. One thing I noticed while listening to this song or this album is you can pick out most of the instruments. It was mixed very beautifully, which you can't say that about most albums nowadays. Like you can hear the jingle bells coming through, you can hear a guitar, you can hear the piano, you can hear the drums, and it's not all overpowering. It's beautifully mixed. Yeah. Yeah, that wall of sound too. A lot of times he would use like an echo chamber to get a little more, bit more of a full sound, you know, playing it and then re-recording, um, which I know people have done, but he is, it's kind of ingenious the way he, he thought about recording and, and it just comes across so great 
perfect for holiday music. You know that kind of you want that big, uh, big sound and jolly great, sound, great, jolly sound, <laughs> and those great singers. And you're right, Darlene Love. I mean, uh, that song. I think I heard how many times. I think that is now the Christmas anthem. Christmas baby, please come home. Yeah, I think that goosebumps every time. Every time, I think people get goosebumps on that song, mm-hmm. and that. You can't say that for for every album, but beautiful. Oh, uh, Darling Love, Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. I think it is easily like the the standout track in in a faultless album. I said faultless, but <laughs> then there's also the spoken word Abigail Spector at the at the very end. Yeah, uh, that's the fault. Yeah, that, that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, but uh, what I was saying though, like. Uh, I, I don't think that many people would argue that Christmas Baby, Please Come Home might be the strongest track in a stable of strong tracks. Uh, for me, surprisingly, Dark Horse, second place, might be uh, Bob B's Socks and the Blue Jeans, uh, Bells of St. Mary. I'd never heard it before I got the album. I got this album a few years back. Uh, never heard anything from him since. But he, I think what that song was from like a musical. Uh, I forget what it, what it was from. But uh, they, uh, it's uh, arranged in like a rock and roll arrangement, yeah. And really, he just he he, he sings his heart out on it. He had some yeah. really cool notes, and I I really I want to know more about Mr. Socks. Yeah, <laughs> like what what we're having with this guy. I also thought re-listening to the I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus, amazing. Mm-hmm. Like they play these songs that you're just like. You know, you look at the titles, uh, you know, when I originally had seen it, I'm looking at these titles and I'm like, I saw Mommy, like, is what's that going to sound like? That's that's not a good song. And then you hear it and you're like, it blows your mind. Yeah. Just every time you're like, holy cow, he did it. He made he made all these songs fun. Mm-hmm. Very, so enjoyable, so fun. Doesn't uh, I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus, doesn't have that... Maybe not the be my baby, but just like that. That's yes. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Ronettes. Yeah, it's kind of that classic Ronettes sound. Yeah, they yeah they did that. Like we we've got this feel that works. Let uh, like what Christmas song what, could we like interpret with like this? I was feel, wondering in the, you know? if they did that. If the, maybe they they had like a certain arrangements and they thought, hey, what you know, what songs would that be appropriate to right. to use those things in? Maybe maybe so. But it works. Whatever he's doing, it absolutely <laughs> works. Uh, and how would this? Uh, I guess we're all in agreement that this definitely is gonna go in our book or oh, yeah. in our, our list. The classic, classic yeah. album. Yeah, this is an absolute keeper. Is this is this the best Christmas album though? I don't know Ooh, if we could man. say that. But... Five years ago, I would have said yes without question. In yeah. the last five years, I, I've 
I've kind of taken a special interest in cool Christmas music. I think it's a, it's a fun thing to do every year. And uh, I've got man, there Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Oh yeah, I mean, that's 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 good. But then also you would have to. This is a, I guess, technically a compilation, so you'd have to count other compilations. That, that was that's what I was thinking. I was thinking this is probably the best Christmas compilation have that has, heard, has multiple artists on it. Have you ever heard Soul Christmas? It's got like uh, Otis Redding and King Curtis now, and but Booker that, T. Was that an album though? It was. It was a compilation album. Okay, that yeah. came out, and it's mm-hmm. not just somebody. Okay, okay. That came out, I think, in '67 or '68. Okay, it's really okay. good. I was also going to say James Brown Christmas album. Dude, that one. Great album. Oh, my goodness. Great Christmas album. Let's make Christmas mean oh, something yeah. this year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude. Let's just... let's some just killer I'll, album. I'll mix up some eggnog. <laughs> <laughs> let's just talk about Christmas music. I do have a fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of my favorite fun facts about this is this um, is also Brian Wilson's favorite Christmas album of the Beach Boys. Of course. Even though he was rejected from playing piano on Santa oh. Claus is Coming to Town. <laughs> Beach Boys Christmas album is another really, really good Christmas album. Yeah, I, yeah poor Wilson. <laughs> I can't catch a break. <laughs> Can I play on this? Uh, get out of here! Make, go make your own Christmas album. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently uh, he would, like, back in the day, he was always just hanging out around Gold Star, just kind of like watching, watching it happen, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, and then when when he got into the studio to to do Pet Sounds, you know, he did he did everything but the vocals while the Beach Boys were on tour because he wasn't touring with them anymore. Yeah. And yeah, all of the instrumentation on Pet Sounds is the same band, so it's, it's Wrecking Crew dudes. Yeah. They are so good, dude. Hal Blaine. I also didn't realize this album came out on the assassination of JFK. Yeah. We mentioned yeah, that a few episodes ago. Same as uh here Meet the Beatles. Yeah. Uh yeah. same yeah, same day. So Good day for music. Meet not or, a good day for JFK. Meet yeah. or with. Uh with with the Beatles, excuse yeah. me. Meet the Beatles was the American uh re-release. I don't know if we can throw enough praise on this album. And and I was talking to you before we started recording. I think this is probably going to be except for Beach Boys and some others. This is kind of an end of an era of style of recording, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're we're gonna get into the '60s, which is yeah, the, the, quite a bit different. The whole like wall of sound, Wrecking Crew thing. It didn't have that long of a shelf life, you know. Uh, like the the world was changing, California was changing, LA was changing, the kids were changing. Uh, Mono was going to stereo. Mono was going to stereo. Uh, it, it's not a cost-effective way to make a pop album. Yeah, you know, and stereos were changing. Stereos it's... were changing. Yeah, yeah. You don't no longer need to mix for a little three-inch speaker. Yeah, you know, <laughs> times were a changing. <laughs> Bob Dylan throwback. <laughs> the times. <laughs> Morris Day in the time. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about uh, Phil Spector? Uh, it's another album. good example of being able to separate an artist from his work. Yeah. Yeah. I would say even more, though, him him not being the singer, you know, it gives a little bit of a... It's a little bit of a distance, you know what That's I mean? That's true. His name is on it, but on the cover, they're popping out of uh, presents. <laughs> he doesn't let the record end without reminding you that he's involved. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, this is Phil Spector. Thank you for listening to my Christmas album. It's a gift for you. You're welcome. 
It's just, I cringe every time I hear it. <laughs> yeah, but I agree with Birch that as the the producer or arranger, it's a little bit easier to hear without mm-hmm. throwing up in your mouth, like listening to Getz or, you know, one of the Lumen brothers. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Also talk about how this was so influential about Christmas albums. You know, every album that came after this, I mean, uh, everyone's version, they understood this. They kind of made people understand, hey, these old Christmas songs that you can make them cool. You can make them sound good and make them, you know, interesting. They don't mm-hmm. have to just rely on this old standard that you've heard it sung a million times. You can bring a new beat to it and, you know, develop new Christmas songs mm-hmm. that have the, the, the sort of chemistry. Totally. And uh, I'm sure people were doing it prior to this, but especially after this. Yeah. It, if you were a recording artist, you released a Christmas album. It just, you had to. <laughs> <laughs> so good. All right. <clears throat> so check it out. Listen to it immediately. If you haven't heard it, especially if it's Christmas. Just go out and buy it. Christmas yeah. is coming. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Same date every year, baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next episode, we'll be talking about Live at the Harlem Square Club, 1963 by Sam Cooke. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.